Right. I, I, I agree. It's, it reminds me of the Peanuts with Charlie Brown and Lucy, you know? It's very like, <laughs> no, this time, like, we're legit. Come on, kick the ball. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Hey everybody, RC Roundtable here. I've got uh, myself, Lee Ray, and also joining me is Terry Dunn. Hi there. And a very special guest, Jonathan Ruprecht. Hey. Hey, so some of you have probably heard me say the name Jonathan in the past, Ruprecht Law, and he is a gentleman who's been working with John Taylor on trying to fistfight the FAA into, you know, making sure they do their job and I'm not mess with this, but obviously it has been a uphill battle the entire time. And I had this great opportunity to, to get a hold of Jonathan and ask if he'd uh, share some words with us. And I'll tell you guys, we you know, had a brief conversation on what we'd like to talk about. I you know, love to have it 10 minutes, but sit down, strap in, get your beverage, because this may run two hours. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, we've been talking recently on our show about Rule 336. Uh, you, you know about my petition trying to to get Congress to be more aware of it, really. You know, it's not going to stop anything from happening. Obviously, the FAA has to continue with their Authorization Act. But, um, you know, when, once I started talking about this, uh, one thing I've never had an opportunity to do is talk to John Taylor about his case. We talked briefly on RC groups, and I know Jonathan's made some posts, too, but I figured this would be a great opportunity to, to talk about what are we what are we dealing with? What are we fighting? I've never been up on Capitol Hill. I've never been in into a courtroom to talk about this. And, you know, I think Jonathan would be our best bet. So, Jonathan, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us more about your company and your uh, history and your background, and we'll lead right in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, so my background is that I was a commercial pilot, flight instructor. I went to Emory-Riddle, right? Go Eagles! Yeah, go! Yeah, so uh, I did that, and do y'all have a special hand sign? Uh, <laughs> we can't show you. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I guess well, if no one went there, I guess we could just make it up, right? And be like, yeah, right, yeah, sure. we do. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> but so, uh, went to uh, FIU actually for law school afterwards, and then in my last year of law school, I started getting into unmanned aircraft law. I uh, ended up publishing a book. Published another book by uh, co-op co-authored it with some other attorneys uh, that was published by the American Bar Association. I ended up starting my own law firm, and so I've been doing drone law uh, since uh, January first, two thousand and fifteen, for myself. Uh, and so I've just been doing that. And the the, the whole like my I guess background to the Taylor case was the whole topic that was really the the whole subject really of the litigation there was on the FAA rulemaking process, which happened to be the the, the chapter that I wrote for the American Bar Association. And so I was like, uh, hey, guys, this is a complete violation of the Administrative Procedures Act, not to mention it's a violation of Section 336, uh, you know, and all of that. Um, so that's kind of my background. And primarily what I do is just help individuals uh, navigate uh, aviation law, integrating, uh, you know, their, their businesses into this uh, very uh, difficult, convoluted to understand kind of area so they can be profitable as well as legal. And I would imagine it's very dynamic at this point, at least on the drone side. Uh, it, and depending upon where you're at, uh, certain things can be, certain things are uh, somewhat settled. I mean, with Part 107 coming out, we understand a lot there. Uh, Part 101 was basically a copy-paste of Section 336, and we, we, that's all been somewhat settled. Now we're, we're starting to get into a lot of other issues regarding exemptions or waivers. What happens when you want to start flying at night, beyond land of sight, swarm, uh, spraying uh, 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 certain types of chemicals and stuff from your drone for you know economic purposes, right, for like pesticide, uh, herbicide, and stuff like that. That's where we're starting to get into more... Uh, uh, I guess, if you will, exotic type of uh, waivers and approvals and stuff that you need to get. And that that's not fully defined yet. And the FAA is still defining it, and it's becoming more and more solidified. But that's primarily where I hang out in those areas. Okay. So if I understand correctly, you worked with John Taylor and his suit against the FAA uh, over the registration policy. Correct. Okay. And that case was won, but then recently overturned because of the defense bill? Correct. Yeah, they, they, okay. they, they, the NDAA, uh, the National Defense Authorization Act of uh, 2017, overruled it specifically. Okay. So is there any future in that? Is there 
an appeal process or is it dead in the water now? How, what's the future of that? Uh, there is no future at the moment. I mean, if we wanted to actually do something, we would have had to have filed another lawsuit challenging uh, that, that act as basically in the, you know, the, whether they have any authority to actually overrule the, uh, the court uh, in that, but we did not uh, choose to appeal that. Do you mind what? if I ask why? Uh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's there. there there's an industry that, uh, well, a lot, a lot of people outside of the industry um, uh, have an agenda, I guess you would say that that they did that 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 they wanted to uh, regulate these things, right? And okay. at the same time, uh, Taylor and I aren't getting paid for this. Sure. So, I mean, there's 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 a lot of like uh, hoopla on. Hey, uh, let's do this. Let's you know attack them. Go get them, guys. And it's like, well, go get them, guys. Doesn't actually do anything. Just that didn't pay any bills. That took up my time. So it, it is more or less like a point there where we're like, do we really need to fight this any further? Especially since uh, actual the, the you know the, the Congress right and Trump had to actually come up with a law right to actually try to overrule us. At this point, we're like, okay, I think we don't need to push this any further. It would be better actually if like AMA or some other uh, organization were to jump in as opposed to just relying on some of us to uh, do the dirty work. Right. So is the registration battle still worth fighting or is it a moot point now? Well, I think the registration thing got set aside and it got put into this like remote ID situation right so uh that's really like registration 2.0 is remote id and that brings up some interesting points as well as doesn't really learn kind of from what happened with the whole registration debacle so you have how many people did not register when all you had to do is go online and if you were early on right you, you could do it for free and then it was like five bucks later on and then people are wanting to do remote identification for their drones, uh, they're trying to push for that. And it's like, well, what do you think the compliance is gonna be? Furthermore, what does it matter even if the FAA creates any new type of uh, regulation saying we need to have some type of remote identification so we can identify these people and uh, bring accountability and you know all these other, these points. The FAA does very, very little to actually enforce anything. So what does it matter? Like, mm. what, what does it matter? It, it, if there's no teeth behind a law, all it is is ending up being like some type of tax on the on uh, the honest law-abiding individuals. Meanwhile, the black market basically just goes completely crazy. Uh, and at many times, it's actually financially stupid to actually try to maybe get into certain parts of, the, uh, of this because the FAA has uh, just does very little. Mm. Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, now, is the push for remote ID driven by commercial uh, uh, growth and the hobbyists are just getting swept into it? Or does the FAAC hobbyists as part of the problem? Uh, okay, so the whole idea of remote identification, uh, I, I have not been able to actually have somebody give a clear uh, uh, reason, purpose, you know, clear scope of what it is. Because it seems to be this thing that got conflated with all sorts of other things. So you have kind of one aspect to remote identification is that, hey, we need to find out who these individuals are so we can try to uh, you know, bring them to justice if they did something bad, right? So there's an accountability law enforcement aspect to it. There's another aspect where they're like, hey, we need to have these drones, uh, remote identification, but as well as also being able to all talk to each other so we can have some form of unmanned aircraft systems traffic management going on and they can uh, deconflict uh, flying around themselves. So there's kind of a uh, a safety deconfliction UTM aspect uh, to it as well, uh, and then th I've also heard it them using remote ideas such as in, in such a way as to refer to it as almost like idiot proofing it, which I'm like I don't really think that's really a uh, uh, an accountability issue as much as is you're just trying to put in certain uh, hard line numbers like don't fly over 400 feet so we don't have any problems so that's more you know not causing any trouble but I've I've, I've actually heard that getting conflated into remote ID as well. And I'm like, okay, I don't think anybody here has a real clear, concise, like description of what remote ID uh, is. Um, so, but it, it, so getting caught up in all this mixture here is that there are uh, the, 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 the unmanned aircraft community, right? Model aircraft, right? Is going to be part of that. The recreational guys, they're going to get swept up into that as well. And so they want to, 
the people that are pushing for certain agendas, uh, they, they want a complete closed system. Uh, I don't really know how valuable that is. And just from a couple aspects here, let's just take of the of the the real, I guess, the two proponent like uh, foremost parts of or reasons for the uh, the remote identification would be the accountability for law enforcement, right? And then there's also the unmanned aircraft traffic management. Uh, so of those two, um, if you look back on what happened with the registration situation, you had wide-scale non-compliance, and it was so easy. If you're having to outfit your aircraft in any certain way, right, what do you think the compliance rate is going to be there? It's going to be very, very low. Um, and as well as, uh, you know, you're going to have to have some sort of uh, system that's that's designed to actually have, like, point-of-sale registration where it's, like, change, you know, title uh, where you can track it as opposed to just where it was before where you had like this honor system where you could get a sharpie uh, and, and I don't think anybody realized how like not well thought out that whole situation was I mean actually back in uh, the or was it the 90s the there was the Drug Enforcement Act that was passed by Congress that actually specifically told the FA to clean up their manned aircraft registration because drug runners and all sorts of other individuals had all these sorts of different ways you could um, you could do things with the registration of the aircraft to obfuscate things, uh, and, and they and they so they ended up having to change things because FAA did, because Congress told them to actually change things to get their act together because there, you couldn't really determine if this guy was legit or was being sold who or what, and nobody was checking on these things. And the same thing with Part Forty Eight. Uh, who's checking on this, right? And so, you, if you wanted to, I mean, there's all sorts of fun little games you could play with people. Like, find, uh, go, go fly with Terry Dunn, find out what aircraft he's flying, right? If he happens to have the same aircraft as you, then you. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna get into all that stuff. <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some uh, funness you could do, right? You know, put Terry Dunn's registration number, fly the drone right onto the White House lawn. Yeah. So you're telling house, me drug runners? You're telling it. me drug runners in the past never put on their forms that this is a drug plane they for, they well, failed right. to do I mean, that right they're, they're, yeah it's, so there, there's a there's an issue there you need to have the aircraft actually from point of sale actually have that individual check their id right and then actually say i sold to terry dunn right so then they send it off to the fa so that way we know if that aircraft with that registration ever shows up anywhere it we're going to be looking at terry dunn first as the, as the first person hey terry like hey what's going on here we, we got this aircraft oh i sold to so-and-so who did you sell it to now at at after you start selling it down the line, it starts becoming problematic. It's kind of the same situation with like a point of sale with gun registration. And so once once these things are out in the wild, uh, you can easily kind of like lose track of them. So there's a there's a there's an aspect to this right there uh, that that that's problematic. And then if you also go to the other side of things and look at it from an unmanned aircraft traffic management standpoint, the whole idea of uh, using um, traffic management, in some sense, is 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 that you are deconflicting the air from other non-participating aircraft, right? And so, when the, the UTM is going to be having unmanned aircraft talking to other unmanned aircraft, but if we do not actually have manned aircraft actually talking to the unmanned aircraft and having a complete closed system, that are you know everybody's participating, then it doesn't fully make sense. What? Why would we have all the unmanned aircraft doing it when we also need to deconflict for the manned aircraft? And if they're not participating, then that safety benefit is it goes away and so that that's another aspect to all this it doesn't doesn't make any sense why are you picking on just the unmanned aircraft community we need to also have the manned aircraft completely uh you know doing doing this as well and adsb is not a, is that's not the solution you need to have a complete everywhere uh solution but i doubt that that's going to actually happen when you have very very powerful uh manned aircraft lobbying groups they're going to seek to see that that does not happen and here i thought jonathan wouldn't have much to say <laughs> Man, I, I feel your passion. I feel your frustration. And I'm just nodding my head during your conversation, Jonathan. That is exactly what we've been trying to say. And and the fact that you've been dealing with this just makes me realize we're all on the same page. This is exactly what's happening. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so my my hunch all along has been that the FAA is just kind of overwhelmed with the complexities that drones have introduced and they're just taking this huge broad brush to everything and they're, they're doing the nuclear approach to try to fix this stuff. And I think the hobbyists are getting caught up in it when there's really no benefit into that. And, and I think even the commercial side stuff that they're doing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And what you just said kind of makes me believe that even more. So 
do you feel the same way that the FAA is just kind of stabbing in the dark to make this ugly monster go away? Or do you think they have, I don't know, better intentions than what we're seeing? Uh, I think initially they got caught flat-footed and they're trying to catch up on that. And now you're dealing they're 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 also behind the uh, the power curve on this whole situation because they are not like a they're they're not like some little you know two stroke engine where you can just quickly throttle it up or something. They're, they're more like some you know slow spooled up a turbine engine thing going on where they actually have to take a while to just get up to getting up to speed. And so then it, just building up the infrastructure and the ability to actually do these things. And so additionally, you have to remember that the FAA is not just the FAA as a collective whole, no more than like you represent like all the members of your family, right? Each of these members sure. of your family has their own uh, uh, peculiarities, right? Their personalities, and they all have certain things that they want and certain things they dislike, and you have to kind of coordinate all of that. Uh, like if you, you know, right, like a Thanksgiving meal, right? You got the gluten guy in the back, like, I am a gluten. <laughs> yeah, you can just leave, buddy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you. Guy. Get out of here. Get out of here, gluten free person. You know, well, why don't you hear some water, right? And so there's always that guy, and they always say it, right? Right after you put the food out, like, is there gluten in this? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, we actually knew you were coming. We put gluten in it. It's so, fortified with gluten. <laughs> it's fortified with gluten. Uh, and so um, so in addition to this, like, so you, you have that going on inside the FAA where you have multiple uh, parts of the FAA. You have air traffic, you have flight standards, uh, and then you have the integration office. They're all completely separate, different parts of the FAA with different individuals, the different philosophies of how they're doing things. So one part will say one thing where they need to coordinate with other parts. They all have different versions of how they do safety, how they uh, uh, what, what what's I guess more of a considered more of a risk for one person than another, and so they all have to kind of, if you will, get their own house in order before they can actually start even dealing with us. And so there's internal food fighting, if you will, going on in some of the aspects, uh, so that they won't really talk talk to you about. So, you know, when Herto was the the what was it chairman? I was the administrator. What? Administrator. Okay. When he was head of the FAA. No, he said a lot of things that reflected what the agency ultimately did. So despite any bickering within the agency, you have to think that what the top guy says is what's ultimately going to come down. Is that a fair assessment or do you think there's actually some some wiggle room down the road? Uh, well, I mean, if the, the top guy says something, but then if he leaves, right, that's one issue Two, Uh, he's also going to have to have some of the people underneath him, um, not try to sabotage anything as well as not get overruled by someone above him. So, uh, Dan Elwell, who's the current administrator of the FAA is actually that the, the FAA is actually under the department of transport, uh, department of transportation. So, uh, you could have secretary Chow overrule him. So mm. there, there is a there, there's an aspect where things could get switched up. And, and on the flip side, though, there's uh, an actual potential uh, moving along of this whole situation going on. I think that's going on right now with Department of Transportation pushing this forward with the drone integration pilot program that the ten uh, IPP awardees that happened uh, just not that long ago. So I think that has been a pretty good way to move things forward. But here's the big problem that I, I don't think everyone needs to. Just where were we a long, long time ago? New Mexico, it was a New Mexico, uh, New Mexico State test site, right? And then the FAA announced the six uh, test sites, and it's it's almost it reminds me a lot of like the iPhones, right? You know, oh that guy's got an iPhone. Oh look at him, he's awesome. Well, iPhone two's coming out tomorrow. Oh, I gotta get it, right? That was the test sites, and then what ended up happening is you had the center of excellence, right? Came out. That's like iPhone three. We have we had Pathfinders that also came out. It's like wow. So it's like iPhone four. Then we have some, you know, we have the, the the drone integration pilot program partner, the partnership for safety, and all these different things keep coming out, and it's like okay, well. I'm seeing a lot of activity here, but there's not really that much of a trickle-down effect. I mean, there is some, like, they're getting knowledge and research uh, and trying to make their safety cases, but that's because they got caught flat-footed doing this whole situation, and they need to actually figure out, like, hey, uh, how do we do this? Do we have any data? No, Bob, we don't have any data. Well, why didn't we have any data? No, well, well, we uh, we never really got up to speed to do this. Like, oh, 
okay, we're in trouble. Yeah, we are basically, Bob. We're in real big trouble here. And so that's why you see these things happening. The partnership for safeties, the pathfinders, the IPPs, the testers, it's all going to go back into like gathering some data to put together a, a, a decent safety case so that they can actually create some regulations to integrate people into the national airspace as opposed to these one-off exemptions and waivers that we are currently using. I mean, that's what I do right now. And it, you, you can you can do that, but it is much more difficult than just doing operations under a regulation like you would with 107. They're going to have to come out with some uh, 107 or 108, let's say, uh, to maybe get away with uh, the night waivers and eventually allow maybe beyond line of sight operations or over people operations, but that's going to be years down the line. I mean, on average from filing, uh, once they publish a notice of proposed rulemaking, it's about two and a half years on average to the final rule being implemented. So in the near term, uh, if you can't do your operations under 107, you're going to be having to do your operations under some type of waiver or exemption uh, situation for the next, you know, at least two and a half years, assuming they even came out with something like right now as we're talking. Yeah, it's a big, slow-moving monster. Right. Yeah, it, it, it is. And just look at how many pe- other people than just these big awardees, uh, um, you know, what, what, what is everyone else doing? What's, what's the guy on the street, right, doing? As opposed to these individuals that we're seeing on the website uh, that are all over the news. Uh, that's not everyone. That's just certain groups of people that have uh, the resources, the safety case, the, the 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 team to put together those really really special cases. But that kind of tells you, as this, if you will, the pipeline, the kind of, uh, of how this is all going down. Right. That's a very very at the beginning here to get the data for the FA to put together the safety case to then eventually craft the regulations, which then you can operate under, let's say, about two and a half years uh, later. But talking sure. about these regulations, and, and I'm hoping this will lead into the next three letters I'm going to give you. It seems like there is some preferential treatment, though, for the CDA. So do you have any comments about the Commercial Journal Alliance and how you know they're kind of pushing some of the changes that are happening with the FAA Reauthorization Act and where we currently stand with the Senate and House bills? I mean, I know that they're lobbying and stuff, but I, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, they're representing their constituents at the end of the day. That's that's really what it's boiling down to. And so either all these lobbying groups, these organizations, they're representing their constituents or they're representing themselves because their constituents don't have enough of a backbone to kick them out. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is, right? It's yeah. it's what it, what it boils down to. And I, I don't do lobbying, so what do I care? Right. You know, like I don't I don't have to drum up problems and cause issues and stuff like that. I don't have membership organizations that I have to keep propping up or and keep getting membership. And I'm just an outsider that was like, hey, three through six was. This, wow. Uh, that was supposed to protect us. And the FA was just like, yeah, well, we're going to not <laughs> we're not going to follow the law. I mean, that was like. Good grief. Like, that was so tyrannical when you can just like say, hey, you need to follow the law as we break the law ourselves. It's like, Wow. Is this what we're dealing with? Well, I think they assumed that Congress wouldn't do anything about it, and they were right. They got away with it. Uh, well, yeah, they got away with it. Um, yeah, at the, at the, I guess at the very end, we 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 didn't choose to uh, uh, you know appeal it in Congress. Yeah, they they someone wisely tacked it into the NDAA of 2017 as a way to kind of like. Uh, you know, bring these drones, you know, make them accountable, right? But anybody can that looks at the whole entire situation realizes this isn't in any way going to bring accountability to anybody. And I know of no law enforcement situations that have ever uh, used the information. I know of no prosecutions uh, either. And I know of no prosecutions from the FAA that have used the registration information either. So it's like this giant system that was created and it, they charged how much money, right? I mean, they, they managed to get how much money out of individuals and how much money did it take to actually do this whole thing? And not to mention, there's the whole, there's these other lawsuits that are going on based upon the Taylor case and uh, that whole ruling, right? When they have the, was that? I forgot how many million dollar lawsuit that's also going on. So they just cause this crazy amount of uh, problems all over the place and all because of Huerta. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he did it, and but he bungled it up really bad. Do you think he bungled it up, or was that his plan all along? Oh, to uh, well, to intentionally bungle it up, you mean, or like to create a Part well, Forty Eight? To intentionally bypass the established systems and protocols. Because uh, I think he was able to create enough of a, a scare scenario that oh, we got to do something. So you know, forgive me for breaking all the rules, but we really got to do this quick. So 
So we're just going to uh, do something. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been that way. Um, because I mean, previously the FA has done this before. Agencies do have stuff like this, right? Where it goes on, where uh, there, there was an actual case back in DC Circuit uh, that was um, it was back in the '90s, actually, that ruled against the FAA on this very point of the whole uh, the, the 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 whole emergency procedures, you know, kind of workaround of the Administrative Procedures Act that you can't just automatically say, hey. Uh, yeah, we don't have enough time to do the rulemaking. We need to we we uh, have an emergency. We need to get this out immediately. And the court actually uh, shut down the FAA's argument on uh, another another regulation they created way back when, saying that well, we don't really know why you didn't get up to speed doing this, but you know for whatever reason that is, it's not an emergency that somehow uh, allows you allows you to get around the Administrative Procedures Act. Otherwise, from a public policy standpoint, nobody would ever do anything. You would wait till the last second and go, oh, we got an emergency because we did nothing. Right, you know, just like a lazy person that was like, oh, I didn't study for my final. Uh, I'm gonna pull an all night and do Red Bull and or or right, it, it is bad. Or pull the fire policy. alarm. Right, yeah. So it's yeah. bad, bad public policy, uh, and so um, that's why that's 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 rarely allowed. It has to be for like some really really good cause, emergency that was unforeseen. Right, that's really the issue there. It's like unforeseen stuff, not just yeah, we saw it coming. Uh, yeah, I know there was the whole, like, 2007, we came out with the memo, we came out with stuff after that, and yeah, blah, blah, blah. And also, Congress decided to tell us to do something in 2012. Yeah, but we kind of were just dragging our feet, and then it's like, oh, crud, we got to do something now. You know, how many years later? And it's just like, guys, guys, just let's be honest here, but... Um, yeah, they, they tried to get that done. And so the Administrative Procedures Act portion wasn't even ruled upon. It was just struck down on uh, Section 336 grounds. I mean, there was there was that, uh, the Administrative Procedures Act grounds. You could have struck it down on. Uh, the, the FAA was going to have a hard time trying to survive those challenges um, that, that, that were mounted against them. They, they really goofed it up. <laughs> so from what I gather, you're a little bit bitter because <laughs> that should have been the AMA's fight. To, to take on and, and win. And the AMA didn't do anything in terms of battling the registration policy. Um, so now that to me has come and gone and it's just a fact of life now, but there's still more battles to fight. So what's your current stance on how the AMA is handling things? What you think they could do better? Well, I, I think what they could do better is actually like explain what they are for and try to convince us that they're not a paper tiger um, explain to who the members uh, or what, Congress? the members everybody right because okay. if i mean if the if ama did nothing when 336 happened which was just such a complete blatant violation of of the, the the protections that they work to get in place and then when they turn around and say hey we're going to go to Congress and lobby to try to get more protections. It's like, well, why would you go to Congress to ask for more protections when you didn't actually enforce the protections that are already in place? It's right. like, what what good is that doing? It's going back to like the same issue with the FAA. Why would you do more regulations when you don't even enforce the regulations that you currently have on the book? And so there needs to be, if you will, less talking, more walking here with a lot of these uh, entities, the FAA, AMA. There's just lots of talking, no walking. Right. No, I'm generally supportive of the AMA, but I'll, I'll be honest, the, I disagree with some of the things they've done. And my understanding is that over the years, they haven't called out the FAA on some of these shenanigans because their logic is that we have to work with the FAA in the future. So if we pick a fight now, it's going to make it things make things harder for us down the road. So I, know, I think there comes a point where the FAA keeps playing dirty and you you just you have to play dirty back. You can't be nice anymore. Right. And I think we we crossed that line in the sand a long time ago. But right, the right, AMA exactly. is they're they're still trying to make nice with the FAA for whatever future battle is looming. Right. I I, I agree. It's, it reminds me of the Peanuts with Charlie Brown and Lucy. You know, it's very like, <laughs> no. This time, like we're legit. Come on, kick the ball. It's just like, yeah. hey, we just saw three three six. Why would you believe them? at this point um but oh it's a different administration or something okay okay um 
I, I still wouldn't trust them. Uh, and so I, I think at the end of the day, they just they, they I think they need to properly represent their membership. And I think that's what really what I think a lot of organizations are really lacking out on. Even the FAA is just nobody's really doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're more or less trying to uh, keep running the business of being like advocating. Right. But they're not actually advocating. Try to advocate the least amount so you don't get, you know, tick off anyone else. Why keep getting the money. Right. And keep going rah, rah, rah. Right. It's 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 more business related. Right. And look at look at what happened with uh, uh, people that had no um, lobbying or business reasons or whatever to get into this. Right. Look at Taylor. Look at Singer. Right, and you have two individuals that decided to pick some fights with some lawsuits, and how much further did they actually get some things done as opposed to just a lot of talking? Right, right. I agree, but help me understand because the AMA is not a business; it's a nonprofit organization, and I don't think that anybody working there is getting rich. So, help me understand that that rationale that they're kind of in it for the money. Well, they're in it for keeping the organization uh, going, right? And so if you have an organization that is going to be rocking the boat, right, you could potentially have some backlash from the FAA. But at the same time, it's your your membership uh, uh, is going to be suffering. And so it's like, hey, let's put out lots of memos. Let's put out – I mean not memos, but uh, articles, YouTube videos and say we're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing that to keep them at bay, to keep the the, the money keep flowing on an annual basis. Uh, to keep the organization going. And it seems to be it's much more focused on that than it is on actual, hey, here's a clear goal. We're going to go try to get it and win. Uh, it kind of somewhat reminds me of the uh, the difference between, let's say, World War II and like Afghanistan or Iraq, where you go into uh, Nazi Germany to overthrow the Third Reich, right? There was a clear goal, like, we're going to get rid of these guys. That's just, and then we're done. Uh, but when it comes, and then we get to like Afghanistan and Iraq, we're like, well, we're here and we don't really know what we're doing. We're trying to defeat these bad guys that are here and they're mixing in and out we don't have a clear goal we have to try to win the hearts and minds of people and it seems seems to be very similar here with with the ama is that there there's no clear uh like what they're actually doing they're just like there and occupying it's like well are are we trying to further strengthen 336 and if how are what are your what are your plans on doing that um what have you done clearly with the uh, the faa and how can you clearly actually uh, hold their feet to the fire on these things, and at the end of the day, where where's your where where are you holding people to the feet to the fire, right? You have to at some point actually maybe go to court. You know, you know, you shouldn't be quick to go to court. You should be a peacemaker, is what the Bible says, right? But the you, that that's an option. And at this point, the FAA really stepped over the line with three three six, and now it, the AMA is going to have to try to repair their credibility. I think over the next uh, so many years. Yeah, it's it's been tainted, unfortunately. A lot of people have voiced their opinion. Uh, I know that the AMA says they still have this uh, case in court, you know, the AMA versus the FAA. But is that thing even legit anymore? I mean, is this kind of like moot point now that the FAA snuck that line item into the defense bill? Uh, well, that that the 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 NDAA um, of 2017 that overruled the Taylor case, the one that. Um that struck down part 48. The other one that the AMA filed was actually prior to that. That's been in abeyance for, I don't even know how long it's, it it is. I mean, just to give you an idea on that, it's like that was filed, what, like a year or two prior to Taylor and the Taylor situation, they actually, we fought it. We got a ruling and we got it actually overturned and still the other ones in abeyance. It, 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 it start, you start asking the question, is that really like a legitimate lawsuit? Are you just kind of throwing it out there as a, as a, a rescuing device for when we bring up these issues. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I was going to say that exactly. I feel they've used that excuse a lot. Well, we have this thing in court, but it just seems like it's a, like a paper trail. It just seems like a piece of paper that's never being addressed. And, you know, and it clearly just says right here, you know, the FAA may not promulgate any rule regulation regarding model aircraft yet. That's exactly what they're doing. And the question is, when are you going to stop and realize all they're doing is stepping on you, <laughs> and and your your uh, analogy was perfect. It's Lucy taking the football away every time, right? And so I think that I think the big issue here is what I think mo- a lot of people are thinking is, um, you know, we, we've seen the AMA's track record in the past. It's just you can't even argue with it. You're just like that's what they did, okay? Um, but then where are they going to go in the future? And I think that's really what's the important part about everybody needs to take away from this is what do you plan on doing uh, going forward with this situation? 
Um, if you're going to plan on being an AMA member, I highly suggest that you, you do uh, take the time to actually uh, you know find out who's going to be running for election and, hey, are you actually per- further going to strengthen the situation? Do you agree or disagree with the Taylor case, right? Just ask some very polarizing questions that way and get involved. And, and so because I, I think they're on the flip side now – People get upset at this whole situation and go, "Wow, I'm gonna not, I'm gonna stop being a uh, a member of the AMA," and then that, if you will, further weakens the AMA and any future uh, changes in leadership that might happen. Right? It, it it weakens any possibilities that might happen there. Uh, and so you, you you have to weigh the pros and cons of that. Do you really want to do that, um, or would it be better to? Uh, actually, uh, you know, further influence things from the inside out and maybe change, do a change in leadership uh, if they're not being aggressive enough. Can you tell me why you don't think the AMA was sponsoring John Taylor, whether on their website or through other emails? Do you have something you can share, you know, directly on, on your thoughts on that? Well, I think that the... Um, I think one might have been what the, the cost associated with it. I think that could have been one, uh, one, one factor that went into this as well because uh, it could be expensive to litigate this uh, because it takes a lot of time. And so you have to pay for somebody to, uh, to do that. So I think that was potentially one uh, major factor there, right? So how much uh, uh, effort are we going to get what bang for the buck are we getting out of this, right? Versus if we do nothing and we look weak and we lose membership, is that, you know, is that, what, what does it look like, right? So it's a cost benefit analysis. And so I think that was one of the factors that went into this uh, at the end of the day. There might have been a lot more, but at the end of the day, they didn't really like make me privy to everything. I did talk to some people uh, who, you know, made some phone calls to me, but at the end of the day, um, the AMA, right, did not. Uh, support it. So um, at the end of the day, just everyone that's listening, if you are an AM member, then you need to think about, you know, do we need a change in leadership? Am I properly being represented? Do I want the AMA to take a different role, um, you know, in, in direction um, and where we're going f- from here? Well, and as an AMA member and a model aviation enthusiast, uh, I want to take this opportunity to thank you personally for the efforts you made with John Taylor to go as far as you did, to feel like we had success, to feel like we were finally being heard, and unfortunately having Goliath step on us with that darn, you know, defense bill. It was awful. I mean, it was just, it was such a slap in the face, and you knew it was it was a dirty trick, you know? You knew they would have lost the case. You know, even the judges who heard your, your appeal or your original case, they were great. It's like, you can't do this. You know, I mean, it exactly says right here, you can't do what you want to do. And yet they came around, you know, in, in the backside and, and, you know, added a, a new law and, you know, well, a, a really federal just, law. It really just overruled our thing. I mean, we there are some interesting points we could have maybe appealed it on. But at the end of the day, it's like, um, I'm not the AMA, like I'm not paid to represent you guys. I mean, at the, right at the end of the day, like, I can't keep fighting all the AMA's battles. Taylor can't, I mean, Taylor and I have lives, right? You know, we can jump in and randomly do, uh, you know, things here and there when we see that there's, you know, some right, there's some wrongs going on. But at the end of the day, like, uh, AMA, like, you need to step up and uh, do something, right? So that would have been a great opportunity maybe from AMA to run with that at that point but they didn't they didn't run at the first point they didn't run at the second point okay so we're kind of monday morning quarterbacking the ama and and rightly so to some degree um but given the current situation i think unity on the side of hobbyists is the only thing that's going to get us forward and i firmly think that the ama is the the only unifying force we have so i do think that Everybody, whether they have gripes against the AMA, AMA or not, needs to kind of lobby behind them right now. And we can score away our differences later. But for now, I think we need to all get behind the AMA so they can move forward doing something. Specifically what that something is, I'm not sure yet. But I do think if we're divided, I mean, this thing's, we, we don't have a chance. Well, um, but but at this divided point, I think we do need to start throwing out ideas and suggestions because otherwise we're we're headless chickens. I mean, we could all be part of the the whole hen house, but if we're not making some direction in the right or moving forward, so to speak, um, you know, we need to come up with some ideas. This conversation we're having with our listeners, 
you know, we, some of us like Terry and I, we sit here and talk offline and, and say, what can we do? What's another idea? And it could be just that one person who says, well, how have we tried this tactic? I mean, and I know, I know Jonathan's working hard on it and I know John Taylor as well, but there, there, this is a fight that's not finished. And I, you know, again, not to criticize EMA, but I don't want to feel like they're, they're patting the FAA on the back or anybody else in these meetings to say, okay, we're still with you. Um, you know, one thing that I, I, I guess I cringe about is I think they're holding too tight to the word CBO, you know, like that's a magical word there in, in currently rule three, three, six, like that, that is why we're still existent, but there's nothing to keep the FAA or Congress from taking those three letters out of the next bill and making us uh, nothing right. making our presence. I mean, the, the CBO is the only reason why the, the AMA has their foot in the door, honestly, because Define CBO for people who may not be familiar. A community-based organization. Basically, and the, the, what the AMA is, the only one recognized by the FAA at this point as an organization that unifies modelers right. under a set of guidelines. And, so, you know, thank goodness, and, and maybe we need to fight, give praise to those congressmen who voted for Rule 336 originally, you know, who supported and said, yes, guys, we've got to protect the modelers. We can't let the FAA just, you know, run them amok. And unfortunately, now we have this possibility that, okay, well, we don't need this part anymore. We don't need this part. And if they remove CBO out of the text, which I'm sure is is being considered, then we do not have anybody who's supporting us. And we will not be a voice there. So, um, again, we do need people to support the AMA to tell the congressman, guys, we're still, <laughs> we're still here. We're not going anywhere. And there's no reason for this overhanded regulation or heavy-handed regulation, excuse me. Jonathan, do you fly RC as well? Uh, well, ever since we did the Taylor situation, I made sure not to fly anything. So I didn't want to have uh, I didn't want to have some FA uh, <laughs> air safety inspector right uh, showing up and being like, uh, "Hey, where's right. your registration?" I'd be like, uh, "We're gonna uh, go right. through this, right, guy?" So I intentionally, um, I intentionally don't fly anything right now, so that way the FA has no way to get me. You know, it's like I don't okay. fly manned aircraft or unmanned aircraft. So how did I actually get into unmanned aircraft and, and, and all that when I was 16? We had, uh, some friends and I actually built a uh, balsa wood um, controlled aircraft, uh, kind of like a 172 kind of uh, looking one. And so that's actually how I got into it. I have drones. I used to fly them. So I do enjoy flying them. Okay. Well, I get the gist of my question is that you understand the hobbyist viewpoint on things. So if you were an active hobbyist right now, what would be the strategy to, that you would implement to, to help combat this looming legislation? Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, excellent point. That's actually what I was going to dive right into is that, that it, anybody that's listening to this, if you're frustrated with how the AMA is, uh, uh, is doing things, I would say that you need to direct your frustration directly at them via email and phone. And then also uh, when uh, the change in leadership you know, opportunities happen, that you actually directly uh, influence those things. So that's what you can do at the AMA level. Uh, I think that they are the only organization at this point that actually has um, uh, any capability of actually representing us. Right. So I, I think to completely just uh, pull out um, would be uh, you'd have to have a good reason for that, maybe. Um, you know, you, you want you want to think that over uh, because you don't want to further preclude or further weaken a ch what, a, uh, you know, a change in leadership, what their capabilities could uh uh, could be right, and so mm -hmm. then where do we go from here? I would say that one um, that, that you start trying to actually come up with a campaign to actually educate individuals as to what is in three three six versus what is not in three three six. Because I am I am just completely shocked at the level of intellectual thought and as to. Or, or, or effort that is even being put into Section 336 regarding, hey, well, we need to get 336 where the people are hiding out there and using this as an opportunity uh, to, um, you know, just fly noncompliant. It's like, what do you mean? How are they doing that? You know, at the end of the day, like the FAA needs to actually like regulate these things. Yeah, they, they have the ability to actually enforce and actually go after individuals who are not in this protected category. It's called, it's called Part 107. And this plays part and right into the whole entire thing where you have groups that are lobbying all this going on with the FAA who got caught flat-footed. And so they need to have some boogeyman, you know, boogeyman uh, that they need to go and hunt down, right, called Remote ID. And then uh, we need to actually go and resolve that. And it's like, why do we need to actually come up with Remote ID to actually fix this 336 issue? Please explain to me how anybody in uh, these news articles that you saw was actually in the Section 336 category. Like, how was that doing that? I, I was on the phone with a, um, 
uh, a prosecutor one time. Um, they were trying to find out, like, how could we, you know, how can we go after this guy? Because uh, he's protected by 336. I was like, this guy's not 336. Like, this guy, are you, please explain to me. Like, go through all the points. And people go, well, it's just like, no, just stop. Just stop talking about 336 as a thing in general. But what does the actual text say? That's the big problem. It was directed originally at the FAA. Don't touch the people that fall into this category. This category, you actually have to have, right, an unmanned aircraft system, right? So it's three things that you need there as well as five criteria. You need to meet all of those. And if you meet all those, then you're actually protected from any future regulation, any current regulation that you already have. The FAA still has the ability to protect the national airspace doing that. So to give you an example, let's say we had some idiot that was flying a drone over a baseball game or something over some people and stuff like that, right? You're going to go through there and go, hey, wait a second. Does any community-based organization even allow this type of activity? I don't know. Big fat no. Okay, so how is that 336? Okay, so that's a 107 guy. Right, so now you can nail them for $1,414 per violation of Part 107, the regulations over there, right? Oh, you flew over people. Did you have your drone registered? Do you have a remote pilot certificate? Boom, there's three right there, three times $1,414. That's real quick and simple. Like, why does anybody think of that? Oh, well, we need a way to bring accountability. Uh, it's simple. Go up to the guy and ask him, hey, are you flying a drone, right? That's an aircraft, okay? Uh, can you please show me your registration? Uh, no. Okay, but I'm going to put you under arrest because that, you just, that's actual federal crime. And so you have to get into issues there where the, the, the law enforcement is going to have to work that much more out on this part. So this isn't really like the 336 guy's fault. Um, but if they are actually violating the law, they have the ability to actually do that. You can't, if, if law enforcement actually asks you for your registration, you're required under federal statute, not federal aviation regulations, to actually provide it to them. So that's one avenue right there. So I'm like, at the end of the day, guys, what what, what is this issue? You know, and it's like, well... 336 needs to be people need to understand it that there is a very narrow group of safe flying individuals community-based safety guidelines you don't fly at baseball fields or at airports safely uh under community-based organization guidelines yes i do know there are some airfields that are adjacent to airports but that's been agreed upon and yes we know that but that, that it's not just some uh, random cowboy grabbing his drone and flying near an airport right so i think there needs to be a big push educating individuals that uh, what you see in the news is not the protected category of uh, in 336 that it was designed to protect. Uh, the majority of those people are recreational flyers that would be flying under Part 107. And the FAA, from my knowledge right now, I believe they've only done four enforcement actions under Part 107. You got millions and millions of flights all over the place, right? And you only go after how many people, right? I mean, the last total number that I that I heard uh, was 48 enforcement actions that the FAA has done against uh, drone uh, flyers, recreational or commercial. And you're like, okay. Uh, was that like for like one county? Like no, that was just for everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Uh, like that was from I think was it two thousand and uh, uh, was it fourteen or fifteen onwards? And you're just like yeah, okay. And so we need to yeah that so th- that that there's a big problem right there. Education F- at the AMA needs to definitely push that that uh, the people that they represent are not the people on the news. Three three six is a very small protected category of people and so i think that's where we could go from here as opposed to just lumping it all in and everyone getting sloppy with 336 and uh trying to uh rewrite it as it's some like type of uh cause to protect everybody like this is this is the big problem when it's not that when we're not looking at where it actually truly is and then it's at the feet of the faa who's done very little to actually enforce anything Right. If anything, we should be asking Congress to fund uh, the the FAA to hire more attorneys to specifically go after a lot of these illegal, unsafe drone operators, flyers, recreational guys all over the place. Why aren't we doing more of that activity? Why is it that I can go on the FAA's website and find all these air carrier uh, revocations that have happened, all these different uh, hazmat violations where they find these guys, you know, hundred plus thousand dollars. I get these emails. I see this all over the place. Yet when it comes to drones, right, you're like, I don't know. Well, I heard some guy on a podcast say 48. It's like, like for crying out loud, do you understand there's a deterrent effect when you smack somebody with a crazy huge fine going, yeah, I don't want to, I want to be that guy that I'm going to change my behavior, right? The sky pants situation with the $1.9 million that changed a lot of people's behavior. Now that was yeah. a commercial aspect, not a recreational aspect. I, you know, I admit on that point, but it got everyone thinking like, yo, I don't want to tingle with the, uh, 
uh, the FAA on this, but at this point, basically, everyone's like, well, we can get in trouble once because we'll just get a warning, and so you just don't get caught, so you wear your jogging shoes, and you just run away, make sure not to be stupid enough to actually register your drone, and sign, you know, put your name on it, right, because in case something happens, that's just going to lead them right to you. I'm just speaking out loud what everyone thought in their mind, so... (laughs) Well, the... The takeaway from that is that the decision makers need to understand the different categories of flyers and the different categories of rules that govern them. Right, right. So to be responding intelligently to actually find the problem and solve the problem as opposed to just doing stuff thinking you're resolving it, right? What is the actual problem? The problem relies primarily with recreational individuals who think that they are flying under section 336 but are not they are under part 107 that's the problem those are the guys that are on the news those guys are not uh what 336 was designed for right so to me those sorts of education efforts uh, for the decision makers that's the kind of thing that i feel like the ama should be doing through their lobbying efforts and their direct intervention uh, all those sorts of things and now, do you think there's any efficacy in people doing that directly with their own senators and congressmen? Oh, I, 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 uh, I definitely, yes. Um, so, yeah, look online, contact all of your elected officials, and I would make that information known to them and, and clearly delineate that, uh, that the 336 group is a safe group of people, not what you see on, uh, on TV. And so making a lot of those phone calls and those, those emails to the elected officials, uh, that's going to get their attention. Uh, and so I, I think, I know we're all kind of like ranting and raving and hoorah, we're upset at the AMA and upset at the FAA, but it's like, okay, take that, that, uh, anger, I guess. Right. And, uh, direct it now at communicating to the AMA and your elected officials about the situation. Right. Now I've spoken on the podcast a couple of times before about my experience of calling my, uh, congressman and it was a very pleasant experience. Uh, they were, I didn't speak to the actual representatives, but I spoke to staffers who asked questions and took time to let me say everything. Um, so, I feel like whether or not it actually made any difference, I'm not sure, but they certainly seem interested to hear my viewpoint. So right. it's not just an answering machine on the other end. Right. It, and it goes off a, into the black hole. Yeah, and if you get enough uh, people are starting to call up over and over and over again, people are going to start paying attention and being like, hey, what's this 336 issue we keep hearing about over and over and over again all right and then that that primes the pump right there for the ama to come in and properly educate them right and so uh there's a way here we can work in tandem with the ama as a force multiplier um not just throw them out right it's we can work together uh to protect uh what we're doing so and maybe that's a kind of a grassroots effort that we can undertake to to I hate to say the word scripted, but to give some talking points for people to have a two-minute conversation on the phone with their representatives to say, here are my concerns, here's why I, I'm worried about it, and here's what I think you should do. So, Right. Well, yeah, I mean, they – or, I mean, the scripted thing is good, but as well as just, just learn the issues, you know. Um, and there's not too many of them, right? Read 336, guys. That's just like the simple one. <laughs> know that. And it's then, short. Right. It, it's like really quick and easy to read. Uh, and so do that and then understand like, hey, wait, wait, play, play devil's advocate, right? Okay, okay so, um, you know, how would I attack this? And, and also you can play law enforcement or a concerned senator, concerned congressman that's trying to get uh, these drones that are seen on the news like wrangled in, right? How would you approach it? Like, okay, the guy I saw on the news, is, uh, is this guy going to meet this criteria? Uh, the aircraft is flown strictly for hobby or recreational use. Okay, um, maybe he maybe he flew in a dumb manner, right? Recreationally, probably. Okay, so let's go to the next point. The aircraft is operated in accordance with community-based safety guidelines and within the programming of a nationwide community-based organization. That's pretty much where everyone fails, right? So, uh, right there. And oh, let's just keep going with it, right? Aircraft's under 55 pounds. Eh, it's probably potentially, right? Uh, four, aircraft is operated in a manner that does not interfere and gives way to manned aircraft. Eh, potentially, if it's near an airport, maybe not. Uh, don't know exactly there. And five, flying within five miles of an airport. And the operator, did he actually contact the airport operator or air traffic control tower if there is one? Did he do that? Uh, probably chances are he did not. Um, the FAA really hasn't made that thing 
doing that actually that easy until recently with Lance. Uh, you know, so if you're a recreational guy using Lance, yeah, that's great. But back in the day, right, you had to go to like the chart supplement and then go try to find the phone number of the airport manager. And if there was a tower there, right, oh, good grief. Now you got to try to get it from him to call the tower to notify them. And if that was after 5 p.m., on the weekend, you're goofed, right? So, <laughs> right. Like we've all done that. Like, ah. <laughs> all I want to do is fly this model airplane. Yeah, and I'm like, I just needed to notify them. Like, <laughs> but I don't have the phone number, you know. And then nobody's gonna give you the phone number, maybe. So, uh, and then they got harassed with all the phone numbers, so they got all cranky. All the air traffic control guys, but, uh, but yeah, just to recapture, guys. I mean, to, to recap, we need to, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, voice our concerns to the AMA, voice our concerns to our elected officials to protect uh, 336 and that we need to educate individuals that uh, 336 is a very narrow group. Uh, you know, it's very, very narrow. And actually, I had a whole thing on my article on what 336 like is not, like all the myths around it. I wrote a huge article on it. I don't know how many people read it, um, but that, that, was, uh, that was designed that specifically to kind of like – delineate all this stuff guys it's like it's not what's on the news everybody doesn't really understand it is that posted on your website uh yes okay we'll be sure to include a link to that sure sure and part of what we're doing right here jonathan is exactly what you're asking us to do that's educate people we're hoping that people listening will will take something from this they'll share it with another friend they'll uh you know Maybe if we can find some type of PSA to put together with a lot of other organizations, hobby stores, podcasts, your, you know, your drone. Well, because you, you're not just drone law, but you also assist people with getting their 107. So, again, maybe educational services, but get the, the common ideology of 336 out there so people understand the difference. And, and that's what we need to do. We, I mean, in, in a way, I'm going to say we need to help the AMA do a better job. That's a good summary. Right. Now, I think part of the, the challenge we face is that so many people think that this is not a big deal. They don't really understand. So is the sky actually falling, Jonathan? Uh, well, I don't think the sky falls uh, quickly. You know, things slowly happen over time, right? And then people stop mm. caring less and less and apathy sets in. And when people realize that this is much more of a marathon than it is a sprint, then I think everybody would be better positioned to deal with all this stuff for the long haul, right? You're not everybody got all super excited back in 2016, and how many people are rooting, hooting, hollering uh, now, right? Their stamina's right. gone, and so I think everyone needs to realize like this is just going to come with the territory that the FAA is going to be uh, looking to potentially regulate these areas because of outside influences with representing their own constituents uh, or their, and, and they're lobbying for this. So um, you likewise need to do the same. Well, I kind of hate to open this can of worms, but is there anything in the new Senate and House bills that you support or are you a leave 336 alone? Well, for example, let, let's do two of them. One of them was the altitude restriction and the FAA exam. Right. I mean, the altitude restriction, I'm like, hey, that sounds cool unless you have some type of special like CBO kind of thing above 400 feet, like the 55-pound situation on 336. Like, okay, that's cool, right? Uh, maybe you have to come up with some something there, right? On, uh, with the AMA has some uh, uh, setup so that they um, – Individuals flying over 400 feet can properly deconflict the airspace for non-participating manned aircraft, right? So that that I don't really have any issues with. Um, when it gets into the licensing, do you think someone who's following rule? I mean, because they're going to change the numbers. I mean, I've already seen that their numbers are changing in the the new reauthorization. So three three six will not be called three three six in the future. But right now, you know, they want to put an FAA exam on people who are considered. 336. Do you think a 13-year-old kid should have to take an FAA exam to go fly a, a little foamy model? It depends on how much of an exam. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's kind of a point here where is this going to be like an, an informational exam, right? Or is this going to be like something heavily you have to test for? And furthermore, I, the, the, the whole issue here is like, okay, if you're doing that, what, are, is that coming also with some enforcement? Because all you're ending up doing is picking on the law abiding and making their lives more miserable. Like that's that's pretty much what that FA does. It's just they pick on the lawful and rarely go after the unlawful. And so the 
how is this actually increasing increasing safety of the national airspace if these people are already uh, trying to be compliant? Why would we add? Why would we have to have this uh, this this license? Um, that's really what it boils down to is the enforcement issue is I'm more like I don't think there should be really any more regulations until we actually have enforcement of the regulations already on the books. Uh, don't create anything new when you know don't ask for more tools when you already have a toolbox. It's like yeah. why? Why would you do that? That just hurts the law abiding, makes our lives yeah. more miserable. Exactly. I like that. And my negative Nancy approach is I almost feel like they're trying to make it harder for people to get into the hobby just so they have less of us flying, so they give more room to the CDA, you know members whatever they are you know they're they're pizza delivery folks and all that jazz you know if we're not in the airspace then all their stuff can be uh potentially but i mean even then i mean even if we get rid of all model aircraft everywhere there's still uh manned aircraft which are never going away so i don't i don't really see that as i mean getting rid of, you know like I'm you're saying, next amazon's gonna go after her private pilots next uh, your yeah. your Cessna 172 is in my way yeah I, <laughs> this, this new pair of jeans that this lady just ordered <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i don't see that happening um right. anytime soon it it's more or less le, le, I, i'm at the point right now just like leave 336 alone until we can use the tools already in our toolbox please stop creating more and more stuff uh, just use what you already have because I think when everybody's always saying, hey, I need more tools without actually knowing that there's a toolbox there, right? Then there, there creates this false uh, you know, understanding of the situation like the, a, like the FAA is completely powerless to go after these individuals, right? That's kind of like – it's kind of like preying on the ignorance of the, the law in the area and it, the FAA likes it because it buys them more time. Oh, we can't do anything until we get this tool. Yeah, don't ignore that giant toolbox in the corner. I need a new tool because this is a new type of technology. We need a new tool. Well, you could use that hammer over there. Like, that looks really old. Yeah, no, 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 but I need that new fancy schmancy one, right, with, like, the digital gauge, and I can do a torque readings, and I don't know why, but I need it, right? And so I think that's that's really the big issue. And when it goes back to education, we can't let them get away with it, uh, that, that, that they're using the – the ignorance of individuals, right, and this mantra of that we need to do something as a way to stall out what they've been should have been doing all along, and that's enforcing uh, the regulations that they already have in place. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time here. This is not going to be the end of our conversation, though. I am definitely going to be calling you up again soon because I do hope we continue this educational series, as as we're calling it, to to let people know what's going on. I just want to let everybody know Jonathan's website is jrupreclaw, J-R-U-P-P-R-E-C-H-T-L-A-W.com. There's also a an email list you can get on and get some of his articles. We'll post some of his stuff on a, a link to our website and our Facebook page. Jonathan, is there anything you'd like to close with? Any other comments? Oh, no, that's about it. I mean, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. I, I appreciate you, you joining us too. Terry, you got any other last questions for him? No, I think this is good info. And for me, it's good to hear kind of all this from a different perspective. Somebody who's not necessarily in the hobby and also familiar with the laws and the inner workings of the FAA and Congress. So uh, in a way, it's it's justifying. And then another way, it helps me realize that we do have a big battle ahead of us. So, so thanks for sharing all your info, Jonathan. I appreciate it. And I hope our efforts allow you to start flying again. It makes me sad that you, you know, I don't say you felt like you had to, but that, you know, you had to stop just because of what was, that's been going on. And that's kind of like the bullying part of the aspect. And I hope you're, hope you're flying again soon with a, another 172 model. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, di- I didn't want to risk any issues because, uh, uh, I mean, I have a commercial pilot certificate and also an FAA, uh, I mean, a, a flight instructor certificate as well. And so I don't want to risk those because the FAA has in the past, um, gone after individuals for flying their drones and actually done uh, suspensions and revocations of their manned aircraft certificates. So I have a lot of money invested in my uh, certificates that I don't want to, I don't want to see as a potential, you know, vector of attack from the FAA. So I just precluded all that and just didn't fly. And you don't register just out of spite? Well, if I'm not flying, why would I register, right? (laughs) Right? I'll save my five bucks and my time, right? Gotcha. Well, as Terry said, they already know everything about us. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I fly indoors. I mean, you have a Cheerson CX-10, right, that I love to fly. You fly that indoors. So if, you know, am I flying outdoors? No. Am I flying indoors? Yes. 
<laughs> is it legal if you open the window? That's a great question uh, yeah. that we can maybe discuss on the next podcast. <laughs> Wait, don't don't give him any ideas, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned because if you don't stay around to our next podcast you know you could get in trouble and maybe even get arrested and spend the rest of your life in jail <laughs> was that good enough to, was that good enough to keep him around i don't know anybody yeah, yeah i think so <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening to our show. It's, again, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. We will catch up with you again. And, and hopefully next time we'll have Fitz uh, on with us because I'm sure he'd like to pick your brain as well. Have a great day. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.